Gun. Damn it! I said order! You know, Nietzsche says, out of chaos comes order. Oh, blow it out your ass, Howard. Now, everyone be quiet. Whilst we listen to Harriet Van Johnson, our esteemed schoolmom, as she reads a telegram that she herself has composed to the governor, expressing our feelings about Gundam. To the Honorable William J. LePetamin, Governor. Forgive me. I'm not used to public speaking. We, the white God-fearing citizens of Rock Ridge, wish to express our extreme displeasure with you. Gundam. Please remove Gundam immediately. The fact that you have sent Gundam here just goes to prove that you are the leading asshole in the state. All right, everyone, welcome back to episode 52 of Gundam and MEHQ. This is one of your hosts, Neo, and along with uh, Solbro. Solbro, say hello. Hey, what's up, everybody? And the spirit of Chris is roaming is roaming cyberspace, <laughs> hunting trolls. He's on a troll hunting trip in Europe somewhere, <laughs> shooting them like pheasants. There you go. I've been rewatching Gundam Wing. He's shooting them like uh, trays with that cool, that cool rifle he had, big ornate rifle to shoot pheasant with. But um, so it's just the two of us, and uh, harkening back to the old days. Actually, kind of nice sometimes not to have Chris here. He kind of you know steals all the thunder and interjects his opinion too much. But um, joking, sure, joking, joking. Sure, he does. But um, unfortunately, um, we're going to be we won't have a mailbag for this um, this uh, episode or the next episode because that's Chris's thing. So. Uh, just like, uh, I guess if I wasn't here, we wouldn't have the news. But we got to find something for Solbro. You, you, you need your own thing besides I've your got, man. And I've got the outro, man. Besides your man, uh, petitions and uh, guarantees. <laughs> and, and, and my outro at the end of the show and, uh, and, and, and props. Oh, yeah. Your, roses, of, roses of Gundam. That's what I have. 42 different websites and links that <laughs> there you go it's like i get lost at times i'm like man it's there like you go. content it's like isn't there just one thing we can just isn't there just the, the easy button that we can just push and be like gundam at mhq just push it everything goes but uh so the show goes on and in this episode uh we're going to be doing a gundam round or actually an anime spotlight i don't see why i'm saying gundam roundup uh, this is actually an anime spotlight, and uh, we're trying to think of something that we have on the list 
that wouldn't offend Chris too much as he's gone, or not really offend him, but we definitely things that he'd want to have some insight on. Yeah, and uh, we we found something for you guys. It's a three episode OVA from the early '90s called Detonator Oregon, and um, we'll be going some of our thoughts about it. Um, and we definitely, you know, suggest anybody to uh, check it out if you have any interest. And uh, our last topic of this episode is actually going to be just some of our musings about um, something that we've kind of referenced many times, and that is Gundam: The Origin. Uh, it's a ongoing manga series. It's still being shown and serialized in Ace and in their Takabon volumes there in Japan right now. Uh, but in the early 2000s, uh, around 2003, 2004, uh, Viz, uh, Viz Media actually took a big gamble and was trying to bring it over. <laughs> and unfortunately, we only got to a certain point. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and, you know, maybe some of the things uh, that, you know, we wish Viz could do or maybe Bandai or something like that. So right. uh, just, you know, just some musings poetically about it. But uh, before that. Uh, we're going to get hit some Neo's news and oh. got some listener-submitted news articles. Got some good ones here, too. Oh, man. not saying they're, we get bad ones, but these are some really, really good ones. And um, the first one actually comes from a poster of ours, uh, Takman? Uh, Takman? I get, take take them. Take them. Take em. There we go. <laughs> take them. And uh, this is coming from the cartoonbrew.com website and this is actually something um, you know if you don't know who this name is I'm sure in some way he's influenced your life uh, many a times and that is uh, Carl Masick probably more famous for being the producer and stuff for Robotech mm -hmm. bringing it over in the early 80s and uh, he died of a heart attack and uh, kind of sad um, and you know we've spoken about Robotech ad nauseum, but, um, you know, he was a pretty influential person when it comes to probably even modern day anime view viewership in the United States, because, uh, he did something that a lot of people, especially in the early eighties, wouldn't take a chance on. And that's taking a very Japanese centric, uh, show and basically Americanizing it and, yeah. um, you know, helping that really, um, get into everything. But, um, I'm not going to go too much into that, but Solbro um, is going to borrow the Straight Talk Express about oh, this because man. Chris Chris left the keys. I put suspenders on it. Yeah, he left <laughs> he left the keys. We have to we have to turn on the engine every couple of days so the uh, so the diesel doesn't turn to jelly. I so I just got it back from Exhibit who popped my collar, <laughs> <laughs> and now it's here revamped and ready to go and. Um, over the uh, last couple of days when this news broke, um, apparently a lot of the sentiment on the Internet um, having to do with Carl Masick has been negative, you know, e even to the point where some trolls are saying, well, you know, the the travesty that he um, this is what he gets for uh, this is what he gets for ruining one of the best animes ever. You know, he deserved to die. All that stuff. It's like, wow, how do you how, how, why you go out? Why, why are these people going off wishing? death on someone over you know something that was actually pretty monumental for the mid 80s a, sh a, a guy who actually took an actual interest in an anime and other ones as well and did what he could to actually bring it to american televisions remember there was no home video market they actually tried masic and harmony gold tried to sell macross by itself in a very faithful adaptation and it it went nowhere on home video it went nowhere there was no market for it at the time but when you when he when they went and 
did the did the um, conversion or the uh, adaptation for Robotech, you know, bringing together Macross, Southern Cross, and and Most Peta, and and Americanizing it. They, they opened a people opened a lot of people's eyes to Mecca, and Carl Masick was the driving force behind that. And he did a damn good job. I mean, he helped with the voice direction. Uh, he also, you know, helped to cast the voice actors in these roles. Created the no- Robotech narrator, <laughs> one of our favorite things. <laughs> brought him there. I- exactly. You know, he brought us a Robotech narrator. And as much as we, you know, love the joke about the show, we don't lose sight of the, the, the man's influence on the anime industry. If it wasn't for him taking chances on shows like that, and also later on um, forming um, the anime house or the anime uh, distribution house, uh, Steam uh, well, not, sorry, Streamline, Streamline yeah, Pritchers. Yeah. I mean, he was help. He also was responsible for bringing Akira over here, mm-hmm. and a lot of people like to crack on that dub. But that dub to me is hilarious and awesome. The original. The original? One, yeah. Oh my gosh, this ain't Chemistry One Hundred and One, man. Come I, on. I, <laughs> I actually, I actually prefer. I, I recently got Akira on Blu-ray. Yeah. And it's like I, I still miss. Yes, the the new one is it's it's better, you, the emotions better and stuff like that, but yeah. you know, I'm the person it's, that likes the old Shaw Brothers films in the in the horrible dub. I can't I really can't watch them in the Cantonese, especially ones I've seen before. So There are crazy one-liners yeah. in a oh, lot yeah. of those OVAs. Even and even though the original cut of a Canada is Canada <laughs> That alone, <laughs> exactly. But the the, the thing about uh, even though the original Akira was edited compared to the actual full uncut um, new version that's out there, and I I do appreciate the the more recent version because of that. We got to see it because of him. You know, yeah. they were he was he lobbied to have it in theaters. It came out here on home video. P- critics like Roger Ebert caught sight of that. And, you know, he law, Ebert and other critics law that is one of the best animated movies of all time. Not the best anime movie, but the animated movie of all time. And they watched the original um, version brought out here in America way back in the late 80s, early 90s. And if it wasn't for Carl Masick, we wouldn't have that. A lot of people don't re- remember, but he also did um, Orbatler Dunbine. He did mm-hmm. the adaptation for that as well. And I thoroughly enjoyed that show in English. He even went the extra mile and had everybody's names pronounced in the correct Gaelic um, pronunciation for everybody, and he—it was another show he wanted to bring out in the '80s. No one was buying it, so he finally got his chance to work on that. I actually met Carl Masick at two Comic Cons ago, back in Comic Con of '08, um, and he was really amicable guy, man. We we talked for five minutes. He had a little booth there that was, you know, related to all the work he had done, and. You know, I, I got to speak with him. I'm sorry I didn't record it, but it wasn't much of an interview. It was just a conversation. But he seemed to me like a real genuine cat that had come under fire because of a lot of otaku, you know, like to, to rag on him. But if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be the mecha head that I am today. And for that, I I, I, I give him all the respect in the world. And I, 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 I also, my condolences go out to him and his family. Well, it just, it just shows you that, um, you know, trolls and, and their, and their, way of just hating everything mm-hmm. um you know they they just got to sit there and and pound on to something and you know to go uh and say horrible things about a man that just passed away i really don't think about it? what they say well man. newsflash guys there's going to be one day that you're dead trolls because <laughs> if there's if there's one thing that we any every person can predict in their future we may not know when it's going to happen but we do know some point in time we all are going to die so, and I, I equate this to, I equate the way that people react. It's the same way the backlash that uh, Dragon Ball Z has gotten in the last few years, too. Yeah. It's like, without Dragon Ball Z, um, you know, you wouldn't have a lot of the shows, you know, the, show, uh, the shonen shows that are, 
you know, that came over from Japan, um, or even the ones that, you know, came after Dragon Ball Z, you know, a lot of those shows have been influenced by that formula. And it's like, you know, everybody was watching it back in the day and now it's, oh, well, this is out or that's out. And, oh God, Dragon Ball Z was so stupid. It's like, you know what? I'm sorry. I've watched Bleach. I was watching the first 50 episodes as it was coming out. And guess what? It's a guy and a girl, and it's Dragon Ball Z all over again. <laughs> you know, you get to these certain points where there's um, one episode, and everybody's just looking back and forth at each other. I actually enjoy the uh, the looking back and forth at each other, and powering up in Dragon Ball Z. But yeah, that's that's a horrible thing. And that that or the hatred that's um, spewed at George Lucas. Yeah, sure, he ruined his um his franchise with those three movies, but. I don't wish the man dead. No, <laughs> but that just show, that just shows you the type of people the trolls are, yeah. and also they they can say this stuff with the safety of uh, the internet mm-hmm. because um, you know they're they're the same trolls that even make fun of us and stuff. Because I'll tell you this much: if if we're ever at a con or anything like that, and one of you trolls are there, and you want to sit there and tell me that we suck or Chris sucks or something like that. Come up to our face and say that. Just don't, <laughs> don't, 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 don't sit in the hallway uh, on your laptop during the con and, and saying, "Oh, well, these guys suck." You know what? If you got a problem, bring it on. But um, we'll move on because it's depressing oh. news. And like we said, hey, this this is a guy that you know. Without him, um, it's not that anime would not have come to the United States, but it might have been in a very different way and, and much, much later mm-hmm. than what it was. Thank you, Carl Masick. Thank yes, you. Exactly. And next up, our next article we have here has actually been put up, posted by two posters, uh, and is Wielder and Jabman025. And like I've always said, guys, you know, take a look at everybody's uh, submissions before you do on this so you don't have double <laughs> postings. Not that I, mi- I, I, I mind this, but, you know, there might be something else up there that you might have been thinking about putting up there. But um, this is off the Nikong blog site, and this is amazing. This is absolutely amazing to Uh-oh. me. Is um, in March of 2010, it's there have been over 400 million Gumpla that have been sold worldwide. Get out of town, man. Basically since about 1980. And he's got a quick little t- talking about this. It's, it's showing uh, a picture of the automatic molding machine in operation at the Bandai Hobby Center in Shizuka. Uh, the gun, the Bandai's Gundam Gunpla production plant has 17 units of multicolor ejection molding machines. Goodness. Jointly developed with Toshiba that run 24 hours a day and it what? only takes 18 seconds to produce a runner. Talk about a, t- talk about a factory tour I'd love to see. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I watch these things on Nat Geo sometimes and they have, um, they have these ultimate factories. Like they'll have like the Ferrari factory and stuff like this. This is the one I want to go to. I want to see. You really should visit that place. I I really want to see how, um, how the money just gets sucked out of my wallet. (laughs) They probably have, they have probably have large sucking machines as you walk through the plant there. It's like, Hey, we know you have, um, we know you already have two versions of the arc 70 dash 78. Or uh, the Arc seventy eight dash two, and it's like, but here's a here's a third one because we 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 tweaked the V fin a little bit. <laughs> Come and get it. Sixty cents to produce, sixty dollars to buy. Yeah, All right. exactly. <laughs> so, but just want to thank uh, Jab uh, Jabman and Wielder for that, and you know, and I'm sure Bandai is thanking all the people out there, including us, that have bought <laughs> have contributed to that four hundred million uh, worldwide. Um, so imagine. If Gundam was bigger in the United States, they'd probably be close to, they'd probably be close to about three quarters of a billion, I would imagine, <laughs> at that point. That's but, true. 
amazing. That is nuts, man. I uh, that that's a remarkable uh, number to re- reach. I hope we're around when they reach a billion, man. Oh man. Well, if <laughs> they they sold a million of those white unicorns, so I know uh, I know that I know they're trying. Man. So as, as soon as. But they're probably selling more now than they ever did back in the day, to be honest. So oh. that may not that may not be too unattainable, to be honest. Exactly. Within the next two decades, anyway. Hey, they they sold a million of a title suit that was only seen in pictures in a volume, <laughs> and you had to read its description in the yeah. novel. Oh, and, awesome. and 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 caused and and caused such an uproar that it actually had a, a book animated, which is another first. But but thanks to Jabman and Wilder for that article. And uh, next article I have here is courtesy of the Anime News Network, and it comes from uh, Poster Gundam Type Zero. Awesome. And this is cool. Um, there's going to be a new Mazenkaiser anime and manga. Um, it's going to be called Mazenkaiser SKL. Wow. And it's going to be the return of the Mazenkaiser anime franchise, which if nobody knows is... One of those uh, is is one of the super bowl or super robot, um, War- t- you know, yeah. one of one of the one of the ancestors of it, and you know, one probably the um, you know major influence I, to a lot of things. And to be honest, I think to me it seems to be the Gundam of super robots because you had uh, when Monster Kaiser Z came out, you finally yeah. had the pilot inside the suit, but when beforehand, when you had Giant Robo and you had. Uh, uh, Tetsujin 28. 28 they were controlled from the outside of the suit while Mangas or Z first time you had a pilot on the inside mm-hmm. and um, he was doing big things big things and yeah he's a, he's he was a genre defining robot and it's good to see him come back yeah. hey without him we wouldn't have rocket punch and all that yeah. stuff rocket so, the I mean. punch breast the fire <laughs> we wouldn't have um, Geki Ganger 3 either yeah. Man, and it, it's it's um, you know Mazen Kaiser is a classic for a classic super ro- robot uh, manga and anime series from Go Nagi, who was mm-hmm. responsible for Mazing Mazinger too. Yeah, so the, the TV just show just ended too, from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is actually if if you go to the uh, article that um, Mr. Gundam Type Zero had linked on there, and you go to the article, there is a link now that goes to the official um, uh, website for the uh, Mazinger uh, franchise, and they've also confirmed that a, no- uh, a novelization, a manga, um, are going to accompany the anime for uh, Mazakaiser SKL. So no official word of when it's going to be released, but I will definitely keep you updated on that too. So, but well, um, While I wait with bated breath. <laughs> oh, and talk about shows that, that are getting a sequel. And this is also courtesy of the Anime News Network. And this is uh, from one of the posters of uh, Vent Noir. Oh. It has been announced that there is going to be Code Geass, Gaiden, Boko no Akito. Oh, man. And it's, that is a mouthful. It's going to be a side story set in the European war front. And there's going to be a unit made of boys and girls from Zone 11 that is sent into military operations with a 5% chance of survival. So, I, Oh, my God. I guess <laughs> I guess they're hearkening that, that good old Japanese uh, spirit of uh, self-sacrifice. What are, what are they, the expendables? Yeah. <laughs> the losers? Um, there is, there is an uh, event video that's on the Big Globe website that's streaming. Um, the, uh, the, of course, the event video is going to be made in, uh, available in Japan on Blu-ray, DVD, and UMD. 
So um, uh, Kazukiya Kane is directing the is directing off the scripts of Shingiro Morita. Uh, Shingiro Morita is <laughs> he's uh, responsible for uh, Gundam Seed. Oh, uh, towards oh. the Terran and Blood Plus. Hopefully, he did the good episodes of Gundam Seed. Damn. And um, <laughs> the director Kazi Kane, He's uh, you might remember him from such hits as Escaflown, Noirn, and Birdie the Mighty Decode. Nice. So uh, they're actually Akira Yasudo. Yasuda, uh, Yasuda is actually returning to design the uh, Nightmares and, of course, Sunrise. Um, uh, you know, this the studio Sunrise is going to be uh, part of it. And Agora uh, Taniguchi and um, ich- Ichikiro Okochi, the original, uh, you know, the original uh, creators of the director and the, the script writer of the Kogius. first Kogius are going to get credits. So they're going to get the Tamino credit. Oh, probably. man. So they get to collect royalties. Yeah. All five dollars. Yeah. <laughs> And it'll be set set in ATB 2017, and like I said, it's going to be a bunch of kids from Area, Area 11 who are going to be putting, sounds like a suicide mission in the European Warfront, which will be cool oh. because if there's one thing I wanted to see from the Code Geass uh, world is I don't, you know, the Lelouch thing I think is it, it should be done, but I like the fact that the, the world was so big that we could see stuff that uh, is, it was going on in other parts of the world during the Zero Rebellion yeah. and even afterwards. And, you know, looks like this might be the next big franchise. And they they have a pretty good um, – there's a pretty good story there, and there's a lot of stuff in there. So you could definitely see a lot of prequels, a lot of sequels. Not direct sequels, but, you know, no, but uh, stuff like that. There's enough material, you know, there's enough possibility there where, you know, you had other stories going on around mm-hmm. the world. It looks like Sunrise has found the new one-year war to milk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Zero Rebellion is going to be uh, – man, because uh, – well, I mean, from I mean, the from the show, we remember, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Britannia was all over the place, and the outside of what was happening in Area Eleven. The other high thing they talked about a lot in the first, especially in the first uh, Code Geass, um, was the uh, the war with the European Union and stuff. So that is true, and it would always be mentioned, but you wouldn't see much of that um, of that conflict in that world um, and then we see of course in R2 yeah. uh, Suzaku and a lot of the, the knights of the round were participating in those battles exactly and um, you know in uh, the European Union so I think that uh, I'm actually looking forward to this I'm like I said I'm not a huge um, sequel person when it comes to things but it looks like uh, they're going to try to treat this with kit gloves and um, you know hey here's another story within the universe so there you go. But any other words of the Code Geass sequel? Um, other than that, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it too. I, I hope it's uh, hope it's a, as, as compelling as the actual TV series. And hopefully, Suzaku didn't do it in this one. Oh. But <laughs> so that's the news. And I would like to thank everybody for their submissions. And once again, if you have any articles that you'd like to post up there, go to the Neo's Listener Submitted News thread in the Mecha Talk forum in the Gundam area. So, um, unless you have anything else, Soul Bro, I'm gonna we're gonna head off here and go to our first topic. Is that nope. good? I'm solid. Let's, All let's right. do this. All right, solid snake. We are <laughs> out of here. Uh, what we'll be back in a little bit. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ.
don't talk down to me like I'm a kid. I totally dig being on my own. Plus, I can eat all the pizza I want. Didn't I tell you for years to go easy on the pizza? And don't tell me that's all you're eating every day. God, you're pathetic, you know that? Please don't talk to me like you're my mom. You're not the maternal That's enough. Look, you better explain this. I don't give a Gun. damn about your personal life. Start talking. Oh, this is Baku Alsu. Hey, this is Owen Blade Rogue. Hey, everybody, this is Mikhail from the uh, RRFDP podcast and uh, Row Row Fight the Power. We're here to uh, tell you about a podcast we have started. Uh, it is where us, your hosts, and most likely Saber will be here and we will talk about your news or whatever we do we wish to talk about from the everyday to the uh, obscure so check us out at rrfdppodcast.blogspot.com and uh, this is how we fight the power fight the power I'll admit though the girl uh, Jessie she was pretty damn hot everyone wanted to get into her pants back if you say so, buddy. That anime, it should be buried and it should never come out again. Yeah, I swear to f***ing God, this anime is pure sh- And people were looking at me and one girl actually came up to me and said, What's a bonkai? I was very, very tempted to say my penis. Open. God damn it, open! Prime, you said the Matrix would light our darkest hour. Magnus, I want the Matrix. Never! This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. In this segment, we're gonna we're gonna take a trip back to the early '90s as we review a um, an OVA series that uh, came out in Japan in 1991, and it took three years to complete. Uh, it was um, actually directed by Masami Obari who is also known for the Fiddle Fury uh, motion picture and the OVA series. and Oh, that's what, yep, that's, that's what was killing you when you were watching it. <laughs> all looked familiar. Yeah, it's, it's, okay. he, has, he has a real distinct art style. Yeah. And um, he did that. He also helped in the creation of a fighting game called uh, Voltage Fighter Galkaiser, which he also directed the OVA for. And um, as my friend um, Shoji Romero would say, he draws the best uh, breast in the business. <laughs> Um, and uh, he went on to direct this series, um, uh, Detonator Organ, which takes place in the far future, in the year 2292. Uh, main character is a guy named uh, Tomoru, Tomorrow. Tomoru Shindo, Shindo mm-hmm. who is a, um, a, a student about to graduate, uh, I guess, Space Academy. To space college. Space college to um, go into space and work some humdrum job that he's not too excited for. I'm a salary man. Yeah, exactly. His brother already um, works on the moon, 
as a food delivery guy, or it, he works in food distribution. <laughs> and uh, he's looking for more out of life. His friend, um, he has a best friend who's all too excited about graduating and, and wants, it, wants um, Tomaru to put in a good word for, um, for him at his, uh, at his brother's business. Job. And um, he wants to be more than a salary man, yet he doesn't want to be a, a nameless soldier in the uh, EDF, which uh, they have uh, commercials that remind me kind of uh, Starship Troopers. Remember those yeah. commercials? <laughs> Like, Become a citizen. Yeah, they um they have this they have a quite a uh, recruiting campaign on television with um girls uh shooting their fingers at the screen. Yeah, <laughs> and saying what I want you, something like that. And I, the, I, uh, what is it the the alert on the watch the wristwatch EDF. EDF. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it doesn't get any more generic than that. But they yeah. got some cool power suits and and mecha, and they 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 sure enough show them off in the in the recruitment commercials. But he's looking for a bit more in life, and um, there's a sequence at the very beginning of the anime where I guess they show uh, tomorrow on a um, on a, a space flight or a test flight. Um, I guess as part of his uh, college training, and um, he has an encounter with a robotic life form uh, named Detonator Organ, and uh, he latches himself onto the uh, space shuttle and as they're re-entering Earth's atmosphere, and then. Um, I'm, was it, that was a dream? Do you think that was a dream or more uh, of a flashback? Cause he I kinda, think it was a flashback type yeah, of deal. Because, you know, the EDF gets detonator organ and is trying to, you know, of course, figure out what he is. Yeah. Uh, reverse engineer him. And, and, you know, not to get, I guess, too much into some of the plot points, but, you know, um, we find out that detonator uh, organs actually part of this kind of biomechanical race mm-hmm. and they're kind of like the Zentradi. They just like to go and kill and destroy. And, um, you know, his, his arrival on earth is kind of the precursor to this, the, um, the, uh, what comes out to be the evoluters and, mm-hmm. and they come in and they're, you know, he's a deserter and he's going to fight and protect. And you see kind of the relationship between, uh, Oregon and, and Tumumaro and then when Tumaro or Tumaro meets this girl that he always sees on the bus. The professor? Going, yeah, the professor. Mm-hmm. And um, we find out later that she's like some super kid, you know, superhuman type thing with intelligence with her with uh, Isaac. Yeah. <laughs> Isaac. <laughs> Isaac. Isaac. Uh, the like the supercomputer and she's part of the program trying to find out what Detonero Oregon is and um you know he's basically there to protect us and um like you said the whole thing with uh, Tomoraru is you know the guy that just wants more and well he gets more he ends up becoming um uh the i guess the it's 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 very different he he's kind of merges with uh Oregon he's not mm-hmm. in, it's not in the vein of like Macross or Gundam or anything like that where it's um, you pilot a suit, or if it's suit yeah. right over you, the 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 suit actually, um, or the the organism that organ is, can actually deatomize a human being and have it it's have like the transport in Star Trek. Yeah, you just get stuck <laughs> in the in the thing. You, you you the human becomes the ghost in the machine, basically. Yeah, and um, he merges with it and merges consciousnesses with it. And organ's been around for thousands. Of, well, I wouldn't say thousands of years, but um, it almost seems like it. But Oregon's been around a long time, and he has a lot of memories of all the horrors that his people, the um, Evoluter, did when they when they would conquer and destroy worlds in space. 
and um, he brings that knowledge to uh, Tomaru as they merge together and they fight, you know, as one. Fight off the, um, you know, fight off the evolutors. The evolutors that have been sent to Earth to um, to wreak havoc in order to prepare for their invasion, which is happening in the coming months. And um, it, it's a neat take on. Um, there was an old anime series from the seventies called uh, Tekaman. And I know a lot of people haven't seen it, but um, it had a, a sequel series called Tekaman Blade, which came out in the States as Technoman. And um, it is very similar to Tekaman, where uh, a guy becomes one with a machine and he has to defend the human race from a invading fleet of aliens. And um, I thought for a second when I watched Organ that Organ came after Tekaman Blade, but Tekaman Blade actually comes after Organ, which... I guess Techman Blade took a lot of the elements of Organ and um, decided to run with it too, because it kind of seems like a uh, a sister series, not not related, but it seems like it it borrows a lot of elements or it steals a lot of elements from Organ. And um, well, just yeah, before we start going into that, I'll no, just no finish up the story real quick, and then we'll get into some of the things because what you're bringing up is a real good point, especially when it comes to um, you know things that uh, <laughs> Organ borrows and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but. Um, you know, of course, the EDF finds out about this, um, you know, and they are able to do replicas of uh, Oregon to help defend the Earth. Uh, we're introduced to, like, some of the start, the space command of the EDF, um, these two, like, generals. And, you know, they're they're a little bit different. They're kind of the stereotypical, you know, <laughs> hardline generals. But in the end, they actually end up being pretty good and um, capable leaders mm-hmm. uh we're introduced to what's our misugi the y- um yeah the, red, yeah, the um the hot-blooded um uh, le- uh, captain of the um the, the red, red clad pilot ace pilot <laughs> uh ends up uh piloting one of the replica organs and um then we see that there's kind of a twist uh it's, it's not a huge twist but we see that there's this space fleet that left earth 200 years prior to study some uh gravitational things in this faraway galaxy they had to use these mechas to you know to work in this environment and they actually got taken over by the mechas and actually became more machine than um than people but the the some of the biological parts are still inside of them but they've lost you know some feelings and emotions and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and uh, then we see that there's kind of a relationship where uh, Tumaru and and the professor they had relatives that were part of this expedition that's why they're linked uh, this kind of girl that's like uh, kind of like a fortune teller she's at her her doppelganger is actually the leader of the evoluters and we have a huge battle every you know everything happens uh, Oregon has to fight the the final boss Zolo, Zolo which every time he said Oregon it sounded like Ooga to me <laughs> Because he's got a real thick Japanese accent, real deep voice. Oh, you watching the Japanese, huh? Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. And um, and then of course, um, you know the the fight happens. He, you find out he's the true idea. You know, he's the true face behind the the evoluters destroying all these plants and and used the the doppelganger girl to you know the mysterious girl in the box type of thing um, as um, as a way of doing what they want to do and because she's able to tell the future but you know he wants to stay mechanical he doesn't yeah. want to become human so uh, of course Oregon and Tomoraru they're able to fight him off 
every they save the planet because there's about to be this big huge antimatter wave cannon that's going to destroy the um the, the earth yep mm-hmm. um Oregon and Tomorrow finish it up and you know Oregon save sacrifices himself and Tomorrow gets the girl at the end and it kind of ends it's 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 actually kind of nice because for a lot of for, for only a three episode OVA they tied up every loose end <laughs> and <laughs> it was just kind of a self-contained story uh, they could probably do something with some type of sequel or prequel in the future, but you know what? There's really no need if they don't ever decide to do it. And chances are, it's been what like 15 years now, so I, I, I doubt they're going. I doubt they would would do that or 17 actually. Yeah. Um, no, actually 19 years. I'm yeah, sorry. from 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 when it yeah. started. But. From when it started. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much the story. But go back to your point where you're talking about some of the uh, the tropes because this is. As good as it is, it is a very trope heavy. Um, it's trope laden. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've got um, you got Tomoru as the chosen one. You yeah. Know, he um, he gets he gets spotted by Organ as as a guy who's completely Gen- genius guy that uh, <laughs> just is kind of wandering around wanting more. And- yeah. He knows he has a, a destiny to fulfill, I guess, but he doesn't know. He's also very angst ridden. Yeah, because uh, the second episode he got on my damn nerves when he <laughs> when he's talking about well I don't want to link with it anymore. Yeah. You know, it, it, there's, there's something dark inside of him. He he um what's what was he saying? He said he has memories that are repressed that 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 I don't want to see. And yeah, you know, because they were using him in the second episode to uh to try to find out more about Organ and his people and whatnot. And um every time he linked with them, he'd see all sorts of horrors of Organ doing um really really terrible things you know in the sake of genocide for their um queen um queen uh not queen but uh lady me lady miku miku yeah lady miku and um the doppelganger chick (laughs) of that she and her earth counterpart was kume i think yeah kumi jefferson oh man but yeah uh you know there was that there is of course um deja vu where he had the dream at the beginning Mm -hmm. where uh he would see you know that he, he would he would see a scenario play out with He'd him running with the some girl, girl fighting the big nasty machine, mm-hmm. and then there was a was another one. It was at the top tip of my tongue. Damn it! Um, well, kind of the incompetent, um, the inco- complacent Earth Defense Force. Yeah, and then they get their butts beat because like when the evoluters are coming into the solar system, they're just wiping out uh, the EDF's fleets. But then, you know, magically, episode two, because they're able to reverse engineer and make replicas of organ and, oh, yeah. and, and, you know, use them. They're not as effective, but just as effective. They are able to, you know, actually fight um, against the evoluters and, and, really, um, and really take them to task, uh, especially with uh, the human pilots like Masugi and mm-hmm. some of her wingmen, that kind of squad that she had, the guy that, like, walked in on her in the shower. And <laughs> so, yeah. It, it reminded you of that. It, it, I kept getting the sense of um, the Giver, yeah. And I, I've seen the first, like the the seventies Giver, which you know, for whatever you know, love it or hate it, it's pretty influential when it comes to a lot of things. And and I've seen the first couple episodes of the one that they remade a couple of years ago. But um, every time I kept seeing it, it, was because of the fact of uh, you know, kind of the biomechanical type of deal, and. I, I think that's probably the the most 
one of the best parts of the show is they take type of, they take the mecha formula mecha alien formula right and they do it a little bit better where you know it's like the evoluters are actually you know it's it more cyberpunk because you know you have these humans that are ba- basically end up being taken over by the machines mm-hmm. and inherit the machines traits and one of their kind has to kind of because he feels, you know, he feels empty, just like Tomoraru does. You know, he's trying to find his stuff, and you know, and, and then in the end, the evoluters, the ones that are remaining, they're they're able to, they're taken away with the Lady Mihiko to wander the galaxy. Uh, you know, find dealing with their new emotions and and be and becoming human again. Find a place in the universe like the Cylons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, actually, that that's I I would that's kind of the same type of thing. And, and, and yeah, I mean that would be the way that the the metal ones, not the humanoid ones, but in the new Battlestar. But um, excellent. I I think in terms of like a rating of the show, I would give it about you know a little under a four if we're doing the MHQ rating, probably like three and three quarters. Um, it's it's a good show. It's the b- battles are done really well. One of the parts I don't like about it is anything that's not a battle is animated horribly. Second tier animation. Yeah, it's TV <laughs> animation for a three-episode OVA that, that took, took three year years to come out. <laughs> yeah, it, you would expect, you know, uh, Daryl yeah. basically. Animation. That is true. I mean, let's let's be honest. Yeah. Um, you know what though? What was cool about this OVA is that it was almost every episode was almost an hour long. And usually, even OVAs back then usually range about thirty minutes tops. You know, this uh, one was that number was paced well too because yeah. uh, the backstory they kind of interlaid with uh, flashbacks and just kind of explanations with the professor explaining things. Uh, they didn't go too much into stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it got that. You know, it, it's got that '80s, early '90s kind of metaphysical thing to it, but. Yeah. Unlike other shows that kind of fail where they start to, you know, especially in the end, they just do some kind of grand, confusing ending that just doesn't make any sense. This one's straightforward. This one makes sense. So, I mean, so straightforward. They had, the, they, could have, they had the power to bring the sun out. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> to manipulate the sun at will. And like I said, they, could tie, they tied up everything uh, with it. I mean, even to the point where you see this. Uh, you know, many years later at this museum because he's um, what was the guy? What was Will Smith's character in I Robot? That's the one thing that reminded me of uh, Tomorara because he kept going to. Uh, he was fascinated with the twentieth century. Yeah, I was. I was. That's what and it was. He always went song. to the. Um, he was a. Tw- he was a twentieth century boy at heart. Yeah, he and always went to the museum, and they were showing. You know, and they, they have this thing in the beginning where he's at the museum. And you see like the Saturn V rockets yeah. and. Um, you know the the planes from the World War Two and stuff like that. He wears a bomber. He kind of wears like a neo yeah. bomber jacket. And when he dreams, he dreams of himself in um like early night early nineteen hundreds aviator gear. Yeah, German, German. Yeah, those Luftwaffe. are the Luftwaffe. That's yeah. right. Oh my gosh, of all the things to dream to look like. <laughs> But he looked smooth, though. He looked smooth, and um, he looked more like a World War One pilot. He so did. It, it wasn't. It wasn't necessarily. It's. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't. Um, what the heck is it? To the, what he was saying. The, no, the the Gundam. Oh, Nazi Gundam. <laughs> oh, you mean um, uh, you're talking about uh, Igloo? Igloo. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> what about um? What about Professor uh, Michi Kanzaki? She um. She, she, Michael, Michael Bay would be proud, would be proud of this because um, she was like the, um, st- to me, she was the stereotypical uh, hot nerd babe 
Oh yeah, <laughs> that shows up to uh, contribute yeah, to, the, uh, to the plot the, of the story, and, and and that's the funny thing. It's like all all this stuff is you know she's the kind of socially awkward, super smart, uh, yeah, like you said, nerd chick who you know of course he falls for, and because he was kind of being a stalker every time he rode the bus to school and work <laughs> at the beginning. Um, and like we said, we have the, we have the busty Misugi, who's the red clad, fearless, kick ass, Mm -hmm. take no names pilot who, you know, during the first, during the first launch is like her, her, uh, wingman walks in on her taking a shower and next thing she smacks him in the face and then goes out and kicks some butt and they're, um, very deficient mecha that they had at that point so Call it uh, the star book of the anime yeah <laughs> i mean and, and, Fire, and, and of fiery. course you know she brings she brings she delivers the death blow to the to the, like this big huge planet the big huge death star type of thing that the evoluters had yep um the planet zoma i think or zoa something yeah yeah and of course you know like i said commander zoa is that typical you know i'm i'm the subordinate to the queen but yet i'm actually controlling stuff in the end and you know, it, it 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 for some of the faults that it has, they're not many. Like I'd say, the soundtrack was very generic and very uh, that period of time. Well, sp- speaking of the soundtrack, because I'm a big fan of Susumu um, Hirosawa, it didn't really move me, and it was kind of second. I I didn't really pay too much attention to it. To well, I think that was one of his earlier soundtracks because this is this is a guy that also does the music for all the um, Satoshi Kon movies and OVAs. He did the music for all of um. Paranoia Agent, and um, you know he does he does that stuff, and he's evolved quite a bit. He's the guy who did the music for Berserk, the TV show, and which um, is fine. And it's which, not it's wh- not saying anything about him. No, it's no, just no. that in this, in I, this- I, I got to say that the, the soundtrack to me didn't stand out except for the end themes. The end themes are like his his signature sound. Like um, I'm in love with the um, the end of the, the the theme for the end of the the first OVA and the the last OVA for um, the pro the problem is is there it's just very. Music's not used throughout most of the show. It isn't, and, it isn't. and it's one of those old kind of classic OB. shows where it's just like there's the soundtrack is just all of the outside noises and stuff. Yeah. And um, you're right about that. It, it, it you almost don't even notice the soundtrack yeah. until the end. It's you really a, don't. And, I mean, there <laughs> the same battle theme happens throughout, and you know it's just it's not like cheap Casio synthesizer or anything like that. But it's just very kind of nondescript. Um, something there, very reminiscent of that period of time, the yeah. early '90s. Some of the some of the stuff out there, but he probably was doing it by himself to be honest. <laughs> yeah, which again though too makes you wonder what it t- taken three years to do. Um, you know, you think maybe that was a, would be a bigger thing, but to be honest, I don't think soundtracks really became that important till probably the mid '90s. It seemed that that's when you know a lot of shows. Were held. Some shows are uh, their are soundtracks the soundtrack. are better than the actual the show. show. <laughs> so, but um, I mean, other than that, I think it's a very enjoyable show. Um, mm-hmm. Is it for the beginner? Eh, I don't know. It, but I wouldn't say it's for the the neophyte anime fan or you know the an- anime fan that likes today's animation. You're probably not going to dig it. You really probably have to be a a, a, a fan that really enjoys mecha anime. Um, and likes old school. I wouldn't even call this old school. This is you know not that long ago compared to like the seventies or something like that. It's this just like kind of a. Nice. It, it, it's but it's a throwback. If anything, it's to. it shows the bridge of what 
would have been in the 80s and the 90s because if this was an if this was made in 81 yeah. it would have been so violent that it would have been ridiculous <laughs> We'd have got uh, it. the we... violence is very low in this there's only all i remember is like in the second episode when those one of the fleets got destroyed you saw uh, some of those poor guys on the bridge, but it wasn't anything like that. Um, you know, Rich, Rich was refreshing because, to a point, some of the eighty stuff, yeah, it's good, but man, some of the some of the violence just gets it's just too much. And yeah, it's just like it, it doesn't have that because you can see we're looking it, at you, Wicked City. Yeah, <laughs> we can. Uh, I mean, but you can see where it kind of this is kind of the bridge between the two because it's got. It's not as violent, but yet it's a little bit more story-driven. And it, the story actually makes sense. It's just not like, oh, hey, this is some magical stuff in the end. It's all magic, and everything just got better. It's just, um, you know, but if you want something different, um, like I said, I think of it more of it as kind of cyberpunk mecha. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe not as cy- as much cyberpunk as like a Ghost in the Shell or something like that, Yeah. but kind of a... Something that's really kind of different, and in a lot of ways, I'd like to see maybe somebody try it with, to, you know, with today's storytelling and, and some animation. Um, you know, I, I think it, I think it would do pretty well. I, I know that this character is pretty popular because they're in the Super Robot Wars, and yes, yeah, that and was some of the other video games. I so. was going to bring that up because um, in, in Super Robot Wars W. They actually combined the storylines uh, from another Gundam favorite, uh, Gal Gygar, um, and also Tekaman Blade with Organ in the storyline saying that they all have the same point of origin. The um, the race of uh, Evoluters come from the um, the race that, uh, I guess, the... I forget the name of the alien race in um, in Gal Gygar, but they all have like a, a point of origin in that in that game. Uh, the the Zonder. Zonder, yeah, the Zonders and and the, and the and the aliens from um, Tekken Man Blade, and um, it's pretty neat that they combined them all together in that game. Also, um, speaking of uh, trying to see another director do something like this, I just like to see Obari come back and direct something and bring his um very unique art style because he's 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 kind of a triple threat not only is he a director but he also draws he has a unique art style for people and he also draws mecha all the time he's he's anytime you see one of his mecha designs it stands out and in this uh, organ and all the other um evoluters they have this real organic look to them that um organic is, but mechanical, and, but it, mechanical. And, it, and it was nice that even though uh, with the you know one of the nice things about it is all the evoluters are actually all different and you know very different from each other's uh, kind of reminiscent of you know you could see like the powered suits that they were using but uh, you know when these these humans were going out to this area but you could see almost kind of the individuality that's being shown by all the evoluters that came through so with um, you know Zoa and then what was it Lang and then some oh. of the other ones in there too. So Neil, I, I I completely forgot about this, but the the director I mentioned he did uh, Gravion and Gravion's Y as well. So I think that's some of the the last stuff he Which did. Which are more super robot, but yeah, but yeah. That, that's that's the last thing I remember. His um, he also did Dan Kuganova and uh, Prismark, which I haven't seen, but um, man, yeah. Gravion that that's that's a show with incredible breast drawing and and physics too so but um because i know you've seen all of that series so yeah we got to talk about that someday but one um, of these days but yeah um i guess my rating um i would probably give it a four 
um, for the new school um, anime watcher, you probably want to give it a two. Um, but I encourage anybody to see it. It's a lot of fun. It's real short compared to most yeah. OVA series. And you really can just sit back and put your brain on autopilot. You don't have to think too much. <laughs> sit back and enjoy the absurdity. But there's enough, there's enough of a story that makes sense that, yeah. like, at the end, when it's done, it's like, okay, that was cool. It makes sense within yeah. itself. And, you know, it's, it's nothing you know, that really just, you know, think too hard about. But it's a real enjoyable show. It's out here on DVD through Central Park Media. I don't know if it's still being printed. I doubt it. But you can probably still find it on um, Amazon Aren't or they eBay. part of the past, you know, Central Park Media? Yeah. I think they're down. They're gone. They're, so. they're gone. So you, you probably have to find it used. But it's Bargain out there. Better. <laughs> I would imagine this is a bar, a big lots, uh, oh. big lots buy. Well, it's, it's not. One of the, it's one of those treasures you'll find there. Yeah, on the shelf. Nothing against it. It's just <laughs> <laughs> was it going to be a big seller? Oh, I, you, I, you didn't think it would go platinum. <laughs> Anime Legends is it is not. Oh. Well, anything? Any any last thoughts about Oregon? Um, my thing, my take would be is if you just want something that's a little bit different, mm-hmm. um, something that's easy, quick to get into, tells a pretty good story, and um, you know it has some really good action sequences. You know, check this out. All right. Well, that's that's um that's our segment here on um, '90s classic Detonator Oregon, and we'll be back with more Gundam at MAHQ. Start talking and talk fast, you lousy bum. We've been frantically trying to reach you, dude. Where is my goddamn money, you bum? Well, well we... I, 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 I don't... They did not receive the money, you nitwit! They did not receive the money! Her life was in your hands! This is our concern, dude. No, man, nothing is f- here. Nothing is f- No, man. The goddamn plane has crashed into the mountain! This episode of Gundam is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Right now they're offering special discounts to our listeners. Just simply go to GoDaddy.com and use the code GUN8 for 10% off any order not already discounted. GUN9 for $5 off purchases that are $30 or more on any items not already discounted. .com domain names are as low as $749 if you use the code GUN10. And last but not least, code 20H1 for 20% off hosting plans. For more information, you can go to Gundam.net and click on the GoDaddy link in the Sponsors and Special Offers section. Don't wait too long. The domain name you've always wanted might be claimed by someone else before you know it. Register with GoDaddy.com today. He'll keep calling me. He'll keep calling me until I come over. He'll make me feel guilty. There's... This is ridiculous, okay? I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go with, I'll go. This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. All right, everyone. Welcome back to uh, Gundam at MAHQ. This is one of your hosts, Neo, and along with Soul Bro, um, uh, we're going to be talking about something that we've, we've mentioned before that, um, you know, 
kind of here and there, and it's actually something that was available for a short time here in the United States, and really kind of unceremoniously just kind of disappeared, and, and we really never knew. And um, we're just going to talk a little bit about it, some of the things, uh, some of the differences, um, up to the point that we saw here in the American version. Um, and it's it's a um, it's a manga that's still going on uh, currently in Japan, and that is uh, Gundam: The Origin. Uh, which actually showed up in the early 2000s in Gundam Ace, and they usually put about a chapter or so each month in the Gundam Ace, and has been you know compiled in those Takabon volumes here in in Japan, and then in I think it was what 2003 is when it came over. 2003, 2004 is when Viz Media started bringing it over in these kind of look like. Um, a graphic novel format more yep. than anything with the and pages reversed as well yeah but um unfortunately um you know we got up until the point at that time that it was done in in japan and uh, they just stopped and it, it it follows it follows the story of first gundam uh, we all know the story from the television show and from the movie trilogy and this is actually like the third kind of retelling, actually, in some ways, probably the fourth retelling, because you have the you have the original TV show, then you have uh, the movie trilogy, which is pretty much the same as the mo- of the TV show, with certain points here and there kind of reverse. One's happening later, some things kind of being redone, like the disappearance of Gun Tank in space. <laughs> My treads are spinning, <laughs> but. Uh, um, one of the favorite, one of my favorite parts of uh, First Gundam, the t- TV show, but um, and then of course the book that Tomino wrote about a year or so after making the TV show, which is completely different, and um, but and now we have uh, what's Gundam: The Origin, and it's actually um, written and illustrated by one of the character designers of original. A mobile suit Gundam, which was uh, Yaz. Mm-hmm. What is it? Uh, Yoshikazu Yazuhiko. Yep. There you go. Yeah. I like I like calling him Yaz. <laughs> Makes it easier. Yeah, same here actually. <laughs> but uh, actually, sounds kind of cool though. It's Japanese guy. Hey Yaz, what you drawing? <laughs> drawing Gundams. So uh, is uh, um, uh, what's his face still making um, the same r- remakes of the F nine one? Yeah, Kunio Okawara. Okawara. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, poor guy. <laughs> F91 version 14. <laughs> but um so the story of uh, Gundam the Origin is, you know, basically the same thing. The Zeon um, you know, declare independence, attack the Federation, but one of the biggest things that you see first off here is that um mobile suits have been kind of been around uh, a lot lot sooner than what was made in the television show, the movie trilogy, and even the even the book. Um, we see that, um, once again, on side seven, there's a test going on of a Gundam, but it's not the, it's not the RX-78-2 RX that we know of. It's actually the RX-78-1, mm-hmm. which is a little bit different. It still pretty much looks the same as the Dash 2, but it's got a shoulder cannon. Um, I think it was a different color, and it there was some features a little bit different on the... I think it had a visor instead of actual eyes, like... I do believe I think it was a visor. I may be wrong, so I'm sure if I am, everybody will tell me I'm Mecha Talk. But uh, I, <laughs> That's I think the place there, to do it. <laughs> yeah, there are some there are some uh, uh, things going on, and it's funny because when the Zaku's do actually come in, instead of just Gene and Dem- Denim like in, in the um, in the show, it's actually like a squadron. It's about four or five of them. I think 
even maybe six of them that come in and they see that you actually see uh, wrecked gun tanks and gun cannons and um that were used as target practice for the uh, for the dash one that's right so and you know that's when we also find out that mobile suits have been around for a little bit long uh a little bit sooner than what we're used to, and um, actually gun tanks were being used by both the Federation and the Xeon as early as, like, 0068. So, I mean, these are... Uh, it's it's pretty cool. And, of course, you have Armoro, but Armoro is a little bit different, less whiny. Oh. Um, also, we see that they kind of updated how he was able to find out the whole thing with... Um, how to work the Gundam. Very true. Yeah. He was uh, Mr. Hacker. Hey, Mr. Hacker, man. Yeah. Hacking to his daddy's files on his computer, man. No no more um, Bible-sized, um, no, wait a minute, um, a coffee, coffee table-sized table manual yeah. <laughs> flying out at him from a random expo- from a random missile exploding a, a truck that just drove past him. Yeah. Oh, man, that, was, that, that wasn't coincidence. <laughs> but but we, we see here, and, and I mean, a lot of things are... What's great about this story, and you know, of course, me and Solbro, the only thing that we've read up to is what was available in um, the United States. Mm-hmm. I'm sure somebody's probably doing some translations of it, but I just haven't really looked for it in a long time. Um, and, and like we said, like I stated earlier, this show, or the manga is still going on in Japan. I think they've just got to the Odessa campaign. Exactly. And some of the, you know, some of the other things about it um, are a lot of the flashbacks. Um, They've updated a lot of things. Um, you know, the the flight from side seven's pretty much the same for little differences here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we saw that in once they leave side seven, we see that unlike what they did in um, the show and the movie, destroying all the spare parts for the G weapons, they actually brought them on there because we actually see. Um, a squadron of like gun Heck cannons yeah. and your boy Job John. Job John get some get some get some yeah. action. I can't remember if my boy Omar gets some. But Omer, Omer Fang, that's my son right there. I love that guy. <laughs> I don't know if he actually pilots a suit. I know Job does, and I think it's a, a gun cannon. I believe so. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a gun cannon. They switch off a lot though, too, because yeah. even in even in this, you still see the kind of the musical chairs when it comes to um, the gun cannons and the tanks, the gun tanks, and all that. Mm-hmm. And you know, we we see that. Unlike one of the other changes, it's, it's a little bit nice too. Is that all the adults weren't killed? So I mean, there are, there are people that are, are still uh, enlisted, you know, enlisted men that are you know manning the white base. Yeah, so it's not complete devastation. Yeah, when the white base leaves side seven, it's almost half and half. Yeah, you know, you got a bunch of civilians on board, yeah. but like the people who decided to volunteer for service are pretty much make up half the crew, while the other half is people who managed to avoid you know. Injury it, or severe injury during the the raid on Side Seven, and even the uh, civilians, most of them are adults. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's not just like oh, the, all the it's, only the kids survive. It, so. it's, it's not the the high school population who yeah. decided to just step it up. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we see that, and then they go, you know, they go to Luna Two, and of course, you know, the the whole dealings with the Federation and the Admiral there, and then. We see that Bright is still kept in command, and mm-hmm. Bright's a, Bright seems a little bit older in this one. He doesn't seem as he's still kind of green, but he's not the gr- the totally green, raw green recruit yeah. that you remember from the uh, from the show. 
Um, and he's actually, in some respects, funnier in this manga than he yeah. was in the show because he has a, he's lot got of, a lot of dry wit. He's got a lot of dry wit and a lot of outtakes too. Yeah, like uh, Yaz will take a moment to make him look completely bewildered, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he'll collect himself and he'll end up being badass like he always is. And he's a little bit more aggressive pursuing Sela too. Yeah, in this, <laughs> it just wasn't qu- a quick little flirtation in the elevator. This Not is like all. he's he's actually like I I want some of this. He wanted to taste. Yeah, <laughs> don't we? Good thing his taste changed. <laughs> oh. I don't know though, man. That's Shark's sister. I mean, you're oh. that's, yeah, that's it's kind of hard to. Um, yeah, it's it's hard. like it's like uh, marrying into the Yankees. <laughs> it's hard to forget that. Yeah, it's hard to forget that. And you know, of course, Sailor's in it, and mm-hmm. you know, same type of background with her, the medical student stuff, and, and you know, she's kind of known. We see Kai. Yeah. Kai's actually well known as a race car driver in this, and everybody knows him. From jump, even Sela even yep. sits there and says, "Wow, you know, you're you're that race driver kid." So, um, you know, Hayato's in there, and he's still pretty much the same, same old, same old, right Ryu, there. Ryu, Ryu's mm-hmm. about the same in it too, and you know, so is um, uh, Mirai. Yep. And but what's great is once actually, they, I think you learned a little bit more about Mirai's background, like her father. And what yeah, they he do. Did. Go, they and yeah. that's that's one of the things I was going to get into too. Is you get a lot more, and of course, with it being printed, you're, yeah. you're going to be able to do this. But you get a lot more insight into the the past of these people. There are a couple of volumes that are devoted to the um, the telling of the escape for Shar and Sela from mm-hmm. Side Seven by uh, you know along with Jim Barral, uh, you know Ron Barral's. Uh, father oh you're talking about the um uh, when when they escaped from side three after um after the father's father's assassination yeah yeah matter of fact um i know in the um in the chapters of the manga that we didn't get because um the manga ended up ended at the end of the uh, stops at the wrong wrong. yep in america but in, in japan they got all the way up to uh solomon so far and um I know not too far after where um, Viz ended the publication, they actually did two um, Tonkoban volumes uh, dedicated to Shar and Sela. I literally called Shar and Sela, and according to this article, according to this article on Wikipedia, um, young Casval and his sister Artesia escaped to Earth shortly after their father's death with the help of their family friend Jimbo Rawl, the father of Ramba Rawl. They spent several years living a luxurious life under the guardianship of the aristocratic Don Tiablo Mas. Who names them Edward and Sela? So you get to know the um, origin of their um, their nicknames. There are, are their um, aliases, and treats them like the, his own children. During this time, Jimbaral consistently reminds Caswell of the Zabi's family, Zabi family's betrayal of their, of his father. After narrowly escaping an attempt on their lives in which Jimbaral died, they flee to the Texas colony. So we even get to see Texas colony um, a little a little bit in this flashback, probably before it. Um, disintegrated into what it um finally became but um it goes on to say that uh you know there uh Char meets a uh a, a kid that looks just like him name um or i should say at the time uh edward mass meets a kid that looks just like him who's named Char asnable except he has brown eyes and he's the son of a diplomat there or a, a ranch owner there i can't recall but um there is an incident where uh Casilia zabi finds out that um that the Casval von Dykun is on Texas colony and um, tries to get him assassinated. And um, the men sent out to assassinate him mistake Casval. Uh, no, I'm sorry. The real Shar Asnable as Casval um, uh, von Dykun. Uh, son, uh, anyway, Rem Dykun. And um, they blow up the spacecraft that he's on. And um, that's when 
Casval uh, takes uh, Shar Aznable's identity and goes on with that. And he enters in a Xeon Academy under the alias of uh, Shar Aznable and um, gets close to Garma. And we, we know the rest of the story. <laughs> and Rich, Rich brings a point, too, is uh, with the Garma arc, um, mm-hmm. which is pretty much the same except some differences where they're uh, instead of it kind of being like a generic area, mm-hmm. um, it's it's actually Los Angeles. Yeah. And they end up fighting. The white base actually ends up fighting it up in uh, Seattle, as opposed to no, no New York instead of Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. And it's like of, they cross country in that whole arc, but it, it's cool when you see Garma's arc, in, um, and that's where you see Hollywood. the whole thing with uh, Isolina's father being the leader of the um, the resistance there and getting old, you know, execution yeah. murder at the end. Not just the mayor of Los Angeles, but um, yeah, he wants to be some sort of a. He wants to represent the resistance in um in america and um he pays he pays dearly for it yeah, he, he he dies in the he's dies in the sopranos fashion <laughs> so they well and you know this, a lot of this stuff has has happened after you know at, we 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 get up to the point here in the Mer- in the states with uh the romba raw attack on the white base which is about two two or three volumes and it's basically like it was in mm-hmm. the show but in greater detail and much more violent um, this is where you see the last of the, the officers that were placed on the white base that they picked up at Luna 2. Yeah. A lot of those guys get murdered in the secondary bridge. <laughs> like, I, What is it? In the, in the show, they're trying to get to the secondary bridge. These yeah. guys are already in it. And uh, Bright goes down there to see what's going on, and those guys, are, you know, they just got murdered by all the, um, like, shot in the head and everything by all the Xeon guys. Yeah, unlike, unlike in the TV show where, um, where that's the other, where they're rushing to get there. But um, Where at this point, really, Bright's the only officer outside of um, outside of Armro and the pilots being ensigns. They're, they're, they're the, he's the only officer on geez. the thing. And, you know, in this, the, you know, like they would normally, even though they're, they know something special about the ship and Bright and all that. It, military would put some, you know, officers to observe, and that's what these guys were. These were like the observation officers. And unfortunately, that's where it stopped in the States because after that, we got some of the good stuff. Like, we get background of the war, how yep. it started, um, the Battle of Loom, which, you know, oh, anybody oh. that knows about the one-year war, is, My God. You know, they know about the Battle of Loom, and that would be really, really good to see. Um, you know, th- that to me, if you're listening Bandai, which I'm sure you are because you're, you, you, until we get that cease and desist when we go too far. But, um, <laughs> I'll tell you this much. If you guys ever want to make another OVA, I don't need anything past, uh, 0080 anymore. I'd like to see some of the stuff that happened beforehand. Cause that, that would be much more interesting. I think Igloo would have been more interesting than mm-hmm. beforehand than having space Nazis, but that's another topic for another day let's clarify we'd like to see stuff that happened before yeah the one you wore with characters from mobile suit gundam <laughs> or 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 not even i don't even care if they're in there i well, mean it's i'd like them to have a bit more of a presence than they had in some of the other you well know, you're, you're but but you're not going to see a lot of them because armor and those people they're not they weren't no but i mean service. we're talking like the zombies we're talking like the zombies, we're talking yeah. like you know yeah the major players even nobody Revel. nobody yeah, yeah general revel would make sense too but yeah that, even but, even some people who might have shown up in other series like Zeta and whatnot, like um, Bosk Home, cameos, you know, things like that. The build up to the one year war because there were a lot of major players during that time, and we never get to see them in the, all these OVAs and flashbacks. We usually get introduced to new characters, which I'm fine with as long as the story is interesting. But you know, the build up to the one year war is a very interesting time, 
And this manga well, definitely shows it. Outside of that, though, it would be just mainly the zombies probably revel and stuff like yeah. that. Because you got to remember, guys like Bascom and stuff, yeah. they made they got their power during the One Year War. Because, they did. Because, you know, the, the war was so bad. But just to get back to Gundam the Origin <laughs> here and, and not... Um, not Solbro. Fan, fan fiction of Solbro. The fan, fan fiction moments with Solbro Ryu. Yeah. <laughs> 0077. Oh, man, if I only wrote it... 0077, uh, sh- the earth is shaking. Oh, you know, it's like something like that. But um, And then, of course, Odessa, you know, Operation Star... Was that? That was Op- Operation British? Bro- Op- N- what? The Operation oh, oh, Odessa is Star One. Oh, Star no. One. No, no, Star One was, uh, was Star like One a Baoku, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. I forget so what... Operation, um, I forget what Operation Odessa, Odessa was. was. I think yeah. it might have been just Operation Odessa, but yeah. we see that, and they, they go... As of um, last year, the end of last year, they've gone up to Solomon. So, um, you know, some of the things in there, uh, um, if you're able to somehow procure the English version of um, Gundam the Origin, I I think it's something, even though it's incomplete for us, Mm -hmm. uh, it's still something I think you guys would pretty much like, especially if you are really interested in the one-year war and and interested in kind of an alternate telling of uh, the Mobile Suit Gundam Legend or the Mobile Suit Gundam uh, story. Um, it's a shame that you know that that it didn't catch on for whatever reason because I never really heard any official answer of why Viz stopped it. I don't know if you did, Solbro, but I, I I'm sure you, it was probably uh, money. I'm <laughs> sure it was money coupled with they because of the way they released it in the U.S. They probably caught up to the point that Japan had at that part. Very true, and probably yeah. stopped, and which is probably why they had no other choice but to put it out the way they did, because of the fact that they knew that um, since Japan was releasing it um, a chapter at a time, and every every edition that they sold had two chapters in it, so you know they were in that 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 kind of thinner. Yet I mean, it's bigger been going format. on for eight years. It started in two thousand two, so I mean, it, I and think, it's still going. Yeah, I think in the, in the run of the um, when Viz was printing it, I think they were. Probably Probably as far as uh, probably as far as Rumble Raw, or if not getting upon it. And by the time they got to Rumble Raw, you know it was. Well, it's, a, know, it's the classic thing we've seen yeah. happen with other uh, mangas, and you know it probably didn't sell as well as they wanted to, and it yeah. might have costed more. And you know that was also a, t- a period of time before manga really got big in the states here. Like it was still kind of fringe when when this was coming out because. That's when you saw even some of the other Mobile Suit Gundam uh, mangas. They were in different formats. They weren't mm-hmm. always in that manga format because some were in those smaller formats, uh, but they, you know, they were left to right just like normal. And then, um, and then, you know, I think what maybe 2005, 2006, manga started becoming very big in the United States. I mean, you were seeing it everywhere, every bookstore and stuff. You would see even right. Target would have manga. So it was <laughs> like, you know, I, and unfortunately, one of the which I didn't have too much of a problem was because I'm not one of those people. It's like, if it isn't like the way the Japanese see it, I can't see it. <laughs> but, you know, the, the graphic novel format wasn't too bad. But. No, they did a really good job with it. I mean, I would have rather seen it in its Tonkabon format, but, you know, it was still enjoyable. And, you know, it was all the... Uh, all the but you would have enjoyed it the, more if you were if it was in the in the Tonkabon format? Cause well, you, it would have been a lot more content for per book. But, you know, what could we do at the time when there was only so many chapters yeah. done? So Yeah, it would have been, it would have been two volumes. Yeah. <laughs> probably. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, um, I, I, it's, it's my biggest hope that, you know, when it's done, maybe Viz or some other publishing... Um, 
company will give it another shot. You could start a petition, online oh, petition. Oh, I sure can, man. And and, and if everybody anybody visibly. wants, Solbro would need some signatures. <laughs> so everybody may, out there, make sure that you know email Solbro to get him to start the online petition for bring back mobile suit or bring back Gundam the Origin. Nice. I'm gonna get it started now. <laughs> I I'll, to be honest with you and. I don't know what we'll see or, you know, if we'll ever see it come over here in its complete form whenever it does, uh, whenever it is completed. Um, this was always one of the one things up until Unicorn release that it's kind of in the back of my mind that if they were going to um, animate a written story, it would have been Gundam the Origin, I thought. But, yeah. you know, I, I don't think that that's going to happen now because you got um, you got you Unicorn, Unicorn out right now. Yeah. And, you know, that that seems to be doing very well. Um, Thank God Unicorn's not as long <laughs> as Gundam the Origin because imagine how long we'd have to wait for those Blu-ray releases. <laughs> Volume 1, see you in 2012. You know, the cool thing that um, I, I really love about Gundam the Origin is um, not only is it a modern retelling of the story, they really um, used a lot of common sense in the storytelling. <laughs> like we had, we had mentioned that um, Amuro, instead of finding that big-ass book, um, coincidentally with all the um information and he um for the Gundam he he hacks into his father's files on a regular to see what he's up to cuz you know him and his father are not really close and uh, even though he lives with him he doesn't see his father much cuz he's always out developing you know weapons for the federation you know you've got um a lot more insight on the characters one of the cool things i like a lot is um the mobile suits have all been redesigned all of them, like uh, they have been um, completely been modernized. Like yeah, they've been updated. I mean, I would they don't say look super robot robotish at all. They look more like the Gundams we know today. I don't. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if I'd say they were redesigned. They were just kind of updated. They, they were, they were redesigned would, would yeah. state that they look completely different. Which they what, don't. They don't. They, yeah, I mean, they're, they're still it's still the Gundam. It's still the yeah. gun tank. You, it's just that they look. They're not as cartoony. Yeah, as, as they looked. In, like they in even. The, um, They've implemented some elements of the strike in the RX-78, like the fact that he could customize and change his weapons. Yeah. I remember the shoulder cannon. He, he sometimes swaps that out for the bazooka or something like that. And, you know, it's just really cool. I mean, he even sometimes when he swaps something out, it sacrifices one of his beam sabers because, you know, mm -hmm. where it sits, it, you know, it covers one up. You know, it just reminded me a little bit of uh, the, well, the strike. The cannon had to – the cannon's uh, input was through that beam saver exactly. area. So. And, um, you know, just, just common sense things like that, the, the fact that they had more um, mobile suits on board the white base, the troubles that, you know, Bright would go and in, run into, and the, the revamped uh, tactics that they would have to in, yeah. in, in, in encounter during the times that they faced off with the Xeons. No, no Gundam condom. No, gun <laughs> no Gundam condom. <laughs> um, oh gosh, there was something else. Um, the fact that they still did the story arc with um, Amaro and his mom. Yeah, in there too. He still had the chance to go and see well, her. I mean, like like we have, said though, it, it's yeah. not it's not complete. It's you know, and and this is where it's not like if you've read the book where it's just completely different. Yeah, like the book the 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 the, the book that Tamino oh. wrote is like completely completely different. But yeah, with Gundam the Origin, mm -hmm. it's all pretty much the same stuff. They're just telling it. Some of the events are, are happening a little bit differently, mm -hmm. and then there's a lot more backstory. There's something significant that does happen in Gundam the Origin, too. Him and Char meet face-to-face -face way early oh, yeah. in there, and it uh, involves Sela because um, Sela tries to stop Char from leaving. Uh, I forget where they're at, but someplace he's getting into his mobile suit, and Sela's trying to stop him, and 
Amaro runs into them both thinking that Sayla's under fire from Char and yeah. he goes to save her, ruining the moment. But um yeah, they meet face to face far earlier on in the series than they ever did in the show. Like in the show it's a big deal and and, and but the gun of the origin, they knocked that out the park like really early. Yeah, so that's cool. Some of the stuff and some of the other things that they've covered so far in there and we'll just kinda go on is that you know, of course we said the the whole fall of um you know, the rise and fall of Zeon Daiku mm-hmm. and the rise of the zombie family. They actually even go into um the construction of side seven and this is all the stuff that does in japan that didn't get brought over unfortunately right they talk about the research in mobile suits and and even um you know like we stated earlier the whole decade uh, of the one year before the one year war and and i do remember them saying something in this in the um in the english version but they do address it later on in the japanese version that they're um, were some things talked about some Xeon mobile suits that were seen prior to the Zaku ones, so they go into that too, and even stuff like how uh, Dozel Zabi got his trademark scars, and nice. um, you know, like we said, the the Battle of Loom, and uh, hopefully we're, I'm able to finish it in some way or fashion. Hint, 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 hint. <laughs> but um, for anyone out there hearing that, but um, you know, like I said earlier, I think it is something that even even if you just get to the point of the Ron Baral attack, mm-hmm. um, you know you should take a look at it, and you know it. it you'll, you'll want more, but it won't be that. It's you know it's. I'm not satisfied because I can't finish it, but it's still going on there too. So I honestly think we'll find, be able to, to read it in some way, shape, or form. I mean, hopefully, efficient on, on an official channel. I mean, even if you know, with we the, could pray you, to Steve Jobs to put have it put on the iPad. iPad I was about yeah. to say that'd be a reason to get an yeah. iPad, as if um if Viz or Viz or some other group wants to um to to put it out there right. so that you can read it digitally. I mean, it saves them on printing cost and. Hope all you got to worry about is translating it and distributing it online. I'd love to read it any way, shape, or any any way. Which I'm, I'm sure Viz would even still be out of Viz's budget because I'm I'm sure they're <laughs> they're pretty much on life support just like all these uh, all these uh, anime companies right now. So I hope not, but you know it, the times are tough right now. So if anything, I just have to keep on wanting. <laughs> but um, all right. Any last things about Gundam: The Origin? Um, if anything, if you love Mobile Suit Gundam, or if you're just a Gundam fan and you want to actually be introduced to Gundam, um, if you never you could get around watching the TV show, The Origin is a really great way to actually read the original um, the original story that started off Mobile Suit Gundam. Uh, if you can find the books on Amazon or any other website, there's a lot of people who still sell the the the, the, the American sure, version of sure. the comic books. I'm sure there's people at conventions that have copies of it. Exactly. Too. What if you hate Mobile Suit Gundam? Would you like Gundam the Origin? <laughs> if you hate Mobile Suit Gundam, they wouldn't. People wouldn't even be listening to the show. <laughs> well, don't say that. Oh no, no. Um, it, seriously, if 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 you want, if you finally want people, to, people uh, that hate Howard Stern listen to Howard Stern more the than people that love him. Sweet. So <laughs> might be the same thing with us, especially with the troll. But that's a whole new demographic, man. <laughs> the trolls, the trolls. But no, um, if if you've never been introduced to Mobile Suit Gundam, Gundam the Origin is, and you and you like reading manga, Gundam the Origin is a, a fast paced moving story that's very well written and actually has unfinished um, though un- unfinished in America but um and, well, unfinished and in Japan that too. is that's true but it, it it will see the light of it, day it will see it <laughs> it will see its finality it'll it'll be it'll be brought to completion but no I, I think it's um it's it's great reading even for um people who are just you know read as a manga go out and find it if you can okay Chris <laughs> okay thank you troll 
so troll, hateful. Troll is so, speechless. So hateful for trolls. So hateful sometimes. But um, all right. Well, that's just kind of our some of our thoughts and a little bit of the overview of, of uh, Gundam: The Origin, what came out here in the U.S. and then you know some of the stuff that is still going on in Japan and you know up until the the, the point that they've um, that they're releasing it there. So. Um, We hope you guys found this kind of uh, informative, and if you are able to, check it out. But um, we're going to be back in a little bit. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. A jackass. I'm with you, Bob. We talk this out. I don't see a need for that kind of language. Now, if yeah, you're going outside right now, I'll no, take both of you. We're going to vote, right Alan. We're not going to fight. We're going to oh. vote. Let's vote. Let's I... vote, and then we'll fight. Greetings. I am Andrew Cook, the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you, at tinyurl.com. Slash Pit Podcast. Remember, there is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes pretentious internet theater. Need a cake, but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or bakery? In the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious. Who shot you in the ass? Who? That who would be you. Me? I shot you? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, was, I was shooting. Yeah, I, was, I did a lot of shooting. I mean, but I, I, I ain't saying I shot you in the ass. I mean, I, I ain't saying I didn't shoot you. But gun damn! Somebody shot you in the ass. Tell me about it. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. And this is episode 52. And in this episode, we talked about one of our, one of the OVAs that, um, Dotted the landscape in the early '90s. Detonator, detonator organ. Probably a forgotten one. Oh, well, well I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on at it's, that time. It's nah. a hidden. It's very true, it, but uh, it's a hidden gem, and um, everybody should go out and try to find it. And also, we talked about we gave our opinions and our, our insights on a beloved manga adaptation of uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, Gundam: The Origin, the unfinished <laughs> American and Japanese. <laughs> At least in, in Japan, it stands the chance of being finished. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I guess we'll um, we'll have to wait and see in our neck of the woods. But um, Neo, any any last tidbits to share before we close down? No, not at this time. Well, to run through them really quick, um, make sure to peep the website, M- the new, all new mahq.net. Go out there, check out the new design and uh, and the changes that are happening every day. I hate change. <laughs> also, you can find um, our episodes posted at gundam.net with the um, information on all the episodes that are posted there. You can also um, reach us by email by um, sending us messages at gundammahq at gmail.com. Um, the official forums for MAHQ are mechatalk.net, where you can also find our forum for Gundam there. 
And uh, last but not least, you can find us on Facebook, MySpace, Spill.com. And also, our episodes are up for download on iTunes and Zoom. And um, Mevio. You, and, and Mevio as well. We're part of the Mevio network. And uh, Don't forget, if you need dog or cat food, use our use the Petco um, deal that we have for 10% mm-hmm. off your online orders. And or if you're looking to start a new blog site, yeah. why not do it with the URL of, of IHateGundam.com. <laughs> <laughs> and you can you can use the discount that um, GoDaddy offers by using the codes that um, that we offer as part of that deal. You can save ten yeah. percent. You support and, them. You support us. And mm-hmm. if you know, it'd be ironic that you'd save money <laughs> on getting a website to talk about us. There you go. About how much you hate us. There you go. I'm sure the troll is doing that. Aim for the top. I wonder. You know, I wonder if the troll. I I, I hope Chris checked all his luggage. Before he left to go to Europe, because you remember how troll he always busts in the Chris house. Yeah, it's like he lives under his bed or something. Yeah, he. Oh, I think he probably lives underneath the house. That's oh, us Trolls usually live underground. So. That's true. Yeah. So um, I guess Chris he, has got a bridge somewhere near. And where the, he lives. well, and there's a lot of canals and there's a lot of drainage ditches in South Florida. So right. remember in the picture, he's underneath the bridge. So he might he might be down there, but. Um, Forever great. I hope Chris checked his checked his luggage while he's in. Um, in Europe, could you imagine? You know, like an eight-hour flight. You get there, you you get in your hotel, and you open up the thing, and the troll just jumps out, and he's like, "This sucks." How the hell did you get through customs? Yeah, <laughs> well, we won't even go through that. He probably went through TCA, TSA. So, oh, no. yeah. <laughs> hey, Grandma, off with her shoes. What? Man, Betty White, off with your shoes. Off with, <laughs> off now, with your top, Betty White. Now we get to go through those scanners. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, I, Orlando, I forgot Orlando got those um, those scanners now, so they'll be able to see us naked. Cool. To go through them. Fantastic. Didn't know I could, um, I'd be, that they'd be seeing me. Make sure you get I'd your bikini like, wax. Get a Brazilian before you get scanned. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, yeah, last but not least, you can also peep our tweets at um, twitter.com slash M-A-H-Q-D-O-T-N-E-T. And it, oh, uh, and, and always remember, mm-hmm. all petitions guarantee uh, reimbursements <laughs> and um, anything dealing with, um, you know, Soul Bros Men, sbrmhq at gmail.com, especially oh petitions, Sweet. online petitions. Uh, all the emails I stand to get. That's, the that's the, the lifeblood <laughs> of the internet. <laughs> well, on that note, thank you for joining us for another episode of Gundam at MAHQ, and we will see you next time. Yep. Red mobile suit. Could that mean Char's in it? It's gotta be. It's him. He's come back to fight us. This pilot, he actually poses a challenge to me. Who in the world is he? Gundam at MHQ's a Shinjuku Station, an MHQ production. The Imperial Senate will not sit still for this. When they hear you've attacked a diplomat... Wait, wait, let me, let me explain something to you. Uh, I'm the dude, so that's what you call me, you know? Uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or... I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan. Yeah, wait the... Is the gun around? You just take it easy. Holding her is dangerous. Word of this gets out, it could generate sympathy for the rebellion in the Senate. 
well, I think it's easy money, you know. It's all pretty harmless. She probably kidnapped herself. She'll die before she'll tell you anything. Lord Vader? Dude. Battle station plans are not aboard this ship. Bummer. And no transmissions were made. The escape pod was jettisoned during the fighting. What the? No life forms were aboard. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like, uh, your opinion, man. Yes, sir.